Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Have you ever thought about what it takes to become a fighter pilot? You'll learn about in the book Vector to Destiny by George W. Cohn, the retired Air Force colonel, is my guest this morning. George, thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you. I think I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. All right. Let's. Uh, the book starts out with your experiences growing up on a farm in uh, southern Wisconsin back in the 1950s, and it almost seems like you were living in like, like maybe a generation back in time, even for the 50s. Give us a little glimpse of what it was like uh, where you were growing up and what it was like living on a farm. Sure. I grew up in a small town, and uh, my dad's farm was 160 acres, and uh, it was a traditional dairy, uh, beef, cow, pig, chicken farm. And uh, so as a youngster, we had our farm chores, so I was expected to, to milk cows and, and work in the fields. And uh, that, was my, that was my destiny, I guess. Uh, my dad had intended for me to eventually take over the, the family farm someday because it had been in the family for, for almost 100 years. Wow. Um, you mentioned in the book that you didn't even have indoor plumbing in the 1950s. It seems like kind of, I, I mean, my parents, I'm pretty sure, they lived in a small town in northern Wisconsin. They had indoor plumbing by at least the 30s. So, I mean, this was kind of a rustic upbringing. Um, well, it was uh, it was an old farmhouse. Um, it was uh, probably built back in the 1800s, I would guess. And uh, so, at the time, no, we did not have indoor plumbing when I was young, a youngster. But uh, later on, when I was probably a teenager, by then, uh, my dad had, uh, had 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 a bathroom and, and indoor plumbing installed in the house. Oh, well, good. I'm glad to hear that it got updated. Um, but when you, you were mentioning that it, you know, that your destiny appeared to be, you know, taking over the family farm, but that's not the idea you had. How did you decide that you wanted to become a fighter pilot? Well, I, I wasn't very good in, in high school. And uh, so I, I didn't study very hard because I I knew I was probably going to be a farmer someday, so um, I had to write a paper for an English class, and I didn't do very well on it, and uh, so I had to rewrite the paper, and uh, so I chose the subject to be the investigation of aircraft accidents, and I sent a letter to Truex Field addressed to anyone, and it 
landed on the desk of a, of a fighter pilot. And so I became friends with him. He came out to our farm and visited it. And then sometime later, when I was in a backfield combining grain, uh, and I had the, the tractor running at full throttle, and there was an engine on the combine, so it was, it was making a lot of noise. And then all of a sudden, out of the clear blue sky, this fighter jet flew over me, and it was just loud and really low. And then and all of a sudden, it just disappeared like a streak of lightning in the sky. And they really got me excited about uh, flying fighter airplanes. And so I kept in contact with this uh, this pilot, and he kind of led me through the procedures for, for becoming a pilot in the Air Force. And, and that's the route that I eventually took. My guest is George Cohn, and the book is Vector to Destiny, Journey of a Vietnam F-4 Fighter Pilot. And so it takes a lot more work to become a, a pilot in the Air Force than a lot of people might think. You really had to like buckle down because you said you didn't do very well in high school because you wanted to go to college. And there, Tell me a little bit about the steps you needed to go through to actually qualify to train to be a fighter pilot. Well, I had to, uh, the Air Force's requirement is that I had to have a college degree. And uh, so I wasn't qualified to, to go to college. I hadn't taken the, the, the right courses, so I had to take a couple of courses by uh, by correspondence, uh, a couple of math courses, I think algebra and trigonometry. And I applied at the UW and uh, I was accepted. And um, I remember when I first got there, I think I had a meet with a dean and he told me I probably wasn't going to make it uh, because uh, I didn't I didn't do very good in high school. Um, but I think he since said I was, I was quite determined to get through it. And uh, so... From there, I, I did get through college and went on to pilot training. And you go into a lot of uh, pretty specific detail about that training and everything you had to learn back then. How did you remember all that, or did you keep a journal when you were doing it? No, I guess it's uh, in the back of my mind. I've, I've been thinking about uh, writing my story for for several years, so so a lot of the uh, details kind of came to my mind and. And then I had to, of course, um, search the internet for for some things, but uh, yeah, most of it was uh, it's just kind of kind of in my memory. So after you went through everything and went to the UW and joined ROTC, and uh, it's in the height of the the protests here on the UW Madison campus, and uh, more is on TV every night. What were your feelings about actually going? to Vietnam? I didn't know that I was going to Vietnam at that time. I just knew I wanted to be a fighter pilot. Um, I didn't uh, get the assignment to Vietnam until after I graduated from pilot training and I uh, was assigned to fly F-4s. So at the time, I didn't, I, I hadn't thought about going to Vietnam, although I was very much aware of the fact that Vietnam was was going on. Uh, there was um, there was a lot of signs and indications of it on the UW campus at that time. So, I mean, how did you deal with that? Like, you were you were married, you had a son by that time, and you know your parents. Like, wh- what was the 
the emotions going into that as you were shipped off to Vietnam? Uh, it was um, it was somewhat of an emotional experience. Uh, probably probably as difficult for my wife and son, I guess, as as it was for anybody because uh, you know family separation. That's uh, that's just uh, just part of it there. So um, my, my wife held up very strong, and and I really appreciate that. The book is called Vector to Destiny, Journey of a Vietnam F-4 Fighter Pilot, and I'm talking with the author, George W. Cohn. Now, you talk a lot in the book about um, being in Vietnam and realizing that, I mean, you say the U.S. government had actually no plan for winning the war. And what made you feel, what are some of the reasons that you feel that way? Well, I was there in 69 and 70, and at the time, there was a lot of restrictions on what we could do, where we could fly. For example, uh, most of my missions were in Laos. Uh, We were uh, bombing the Ho Chi Minh trails that came down through Laos into South Vietnam, but we were restricted from crossing the border into North Vietnam, uh, and... um, that's where the North Vietnamese were stockpiling most of their supplies. So it wasn't until 1970, it was May 1st of 1970, that we actually went back to North Vietnam to, to uh, take out some of those supply depots. So it was some of the restrictions that were imposed on the military that, uh, that I guess it made it, made it somewhat difficult. Um, I think an excellent story is about a ridge line that goes into Hanoi called Thud Ridge, where the F-105 pilots had to fly along a certain route going into their targets into to Hanoi. And, of course, the enemy, the North Vietnamese, figured that out pretty quickly. And as a result, we have a lot of POWs who were shot down along that route. So those were, there was just the restrictions, I guess, is what, what made it somewhat difficult. And the restrictions weren't necessarily put there by uh, people that were familiar with the situation or were even in the military. You point to politicians as putting some of those restrictions on, and you think maybe they should have you know, stayed out of that portion of the planning? <laughs> well, I think the military was very capable of winning that war. Uh, we had the, uh, we certainly had the, the capability to do it. Um, and as a result, in 1972, during Linebacker 2 operation, why, uh, uh, the, the, the uh, bombing of North Vietnam didn't bring the North Vietnamese to the negotiating table. So it was unfortunate, I think, that it, it took until 1972 to, to reach that point. Uh, we could have, we could have, utilized our military might much sooner than than that and perhaps saved a lot of lives. What are your thoughts on the protests that were going on back, you know, here in Madison and across the country while the Vietnam War was going on? Well, at the time, I found it somewhat uh, disconcerting, I guess. But, but looking back on it, I certainly respect the right of everyone to have an opinion. And... Uh, I'm glad that, that we live in a country that that people can express their opinions like that. So, um, so yeah, no, I, I I respect those people for for doing that. 
um, a kind of a lighter question. Um, my uh, my older brother Tim, who's twelve years older than me, he was in Vietnam actually the same time you were. Uh, he was in the U.S. Army. But uh, I remember he brought home a stereo when he came back from Vietnam and a lot of music and cassettes and things. And you got a stereo there, too. How important was music as you were uh, going through the experience of being in Vietnam for a year? Oh, I think it was kind of important. It was a way to relax. I'd, I'd go back to my room and uh, I had a real, real uh, tape deck player. And so we'd exchange a lot of songs uh, and uh there was a lot of, a lot of Vietnam songs, you know, songs that guys made up when they were over there, and some of them were pretty humorous. And uh, so that was a nice way to, to to relax when 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 things slowed down a little bit. Yeah, I because you no, know, I think about or I've heard about you know certain songs like "We Got to Get Out of This Place" or things like that that are identified with that and how important uh, having those songs were to help you kind of uh, not be thinking about everything at that time. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was an interesting song. I like that one. That was, uh, that was also a very popular song when the USO shows came to, uh, came to Da Nang. Uh, almost all the performers used to sing that toward the end of the show. And then, and everybody in the audience would, would, uh, would, uh, would join in on it, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> um, you don't talk about this in the book because it came out before this happened, but um, I was curious what your thoughts were as the U.S. pulled out of the Iraq War, because some say there were parallels to how we left Vietnam without winning. Um, yeah, I'm not sure I have, a, have an opinion on that. I, I guess my, my thoughts about Vietnam is that is not necessarily that we didn't win. Um, I think we achieved an objective there, and that was to stop the spread of communism in Southeast Asia. As uh, Ho Chi Minh, the leader of North Vietnam, was intent on taking over South Vietnam, and at the time there was the, uh, the domino theory that was uh, that was developed by President Eisenhower that if if uh, the communists took over South Vietnam, they would eventually take over Cambodia and Laos and Thailand. Thailand was a very good friend of ours and maybe even move into other countries in, in that in that region, such as India and, and Malaysia. And so my, my thought is that when we did fight the Vietnam War, we at least distracted the North, the, the North Vietnamese and the communists from, from achieving those objectives. The book is called Vector to Destiny, Journey of a Vietnam F-4 Fighter Pilot. George Cohn is the author. You say in your bio in the book that this is your first book, but not your last. Are you working on something else now? Uh, yes, I'm, I'm working on another one. This, this book was, uh, was dedicated to my sister who uh, passed away from uh, leukemia, and, and I believe it was a result of, uh, of her exposure to, to chemicals. And uh, so my next book will be something along those lines. Um, you know, I think, for example, in, in Vietnam, there was a, a use of a lot of Agent Orange. And uh, so we're seeing a lot of the veterans are experiencing the effects of exposure to, to Agent Orange. And uh, 
certainly in this country, we use a lot of chemicals, and I, I think um, I think we're seeing some adverse effects from that as well. So that's kind of the general theme of my my next book. All right. Well, look forward to it. And uh, where can people find out about you and pick up a copy of your book? Sure. My book is available on Amazon. Also, Barnes & Noble, I believe the, the stores in Madison have a copy of it. Um, and they can also go to my website. And there's a there's a, one of the tabs on there is um, option to purchase the book. So it's available, and you can also buy it through through uh, the big box stores on their websites. All right, fantastic. Again, Vector to Destiny by George Cohn. Thank you so much for taking time with me today. Oh, thank you, Kitty. And thank you for listening for Weekend Perspective. I'm Kitty Dunn. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.